0: I'm going to ask you to come up and, to, and uh, tell us a little bit about the origins of tradition to on this, and also to teach, to bring up uh, other people's stories and voices from the floor. Please welcome Rob. <laughs> Good evening. Oh, you okay. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lovely to see you all. Um, I'm going to um, tell you a story. to start with how uh, Steph uh, Bradley, who some of you know who wrote a book uh, about stories, uh, started her story. She said, once upon a time that was, and was not, a time of transition, there was a town that was not too big and not too small, with a river running through and a steep, steep high street with a castle on the top. <laughs> that seems like a pretty good place to start a story, I think. Actually, I'm supposed to stand away oh, because it's very weird hearing myself. Uh, and Patrick and I are going to develop a sort of psychic kind of a connection here. But I don't know if you can see me winking. I'm winking. So, I want to, so this, this story uh, starts here. Like lots of uh, good stories uh, start in a pub. And uh, this one is no exception. So, in uh, 2005, uh, I met, I uh, was introduced to Naresh Jan who some of you know, uh, in the Cotton. And in those days, if you met somebody else who was kind of interested in climate change and issues around energy scarcity and stuff, you kind of tended to sort of cling on to each other. uh, Because it was nice to find somebody who knew what we were talking about. So we started this idea of, what would it look like? What would a community-led response to all of this look like? At that time, really, all there was in terms of responses was sort of big hairy men in Nebraska heading up into the mountains with four years' worth of baked beans and toilet roll and a small arsenal of firearms. And uh, we didn't think I would really cut it here. (laughs) Not that much glooming to be had on Dartmoor in January. So we we just started, uh, and I'm winking at you again, Patrick. Uh, We started just doing some talks and some films. I don't know if there's anybody who came to any of these talks. This is. you can't really see our sort of shadows, probably just as well. Uh, uh, but we just started just talks and films and raising these issues. And after about six months, people started to stop us in the street and say, yeah, we get all that now. What are we going to do about it? What happens next? And at that time, in Kinsale and Ireland, which is where i come from, they would come up with this term, transition town. Thought, what a fantastic idea. The idea that actually you focus on the transition, on how we actually get there. Okay? We had, there was an evening class called Skilling Up for Power Down, and there's some people here who, who did that as well. It just started this exploration going. The whole idea was all the way through this as an experiment. I don't know how to do this. Nobody knows how to do this. But if we all put our heads together, maybe we can figure something out. And then in September 2006, in this room we had what we called the official unleashing of transition to autonomous. We like this idea of something that was sort of we were just taking the lid off this thing, and all this uh, energy was going to come, and uh, and it was packed. And I know some of you were here that night. And it was a, there was it was there was an invitation in there. We designed the first three months so that it would inspire people to start different groups. The idea was, what would happen? Could we get a food group? Could we get an energy group? And those groups started to form, and the whole thing kind of started to self-organise. Uh, okay, and uh, we held lots of open space events. And uh, it's really fascinating, there's something about doing open space, which is such a wonderful tool, because people come together, not to, not like a consult- consultation to say, what should happen is this, but people come and say, what I'd like to do is this. And they meet the people who enable them to do that. And, and, and when you look back at things like the lunch from the food open space, so many of those things then, then subsequently came to pass. It's a very early uh, steering group meeting, that we had uh, in my house, and we all looked quite a lot longer. Long um, uh, but that, that coming together of the group to support and to enable this process to happen was really exciting. The idea that the role isn't to do everything, but is to create the kind of support structure to enable this thing to kind of self-organise. We, uh, we forced the then mayor of Totnes to uh, uh, humiliate herself in public, by like balancing walnuts on stage, uh, but this, so this was our very first uh, project that we did uh, that was a public thing that we called Totnes the Nut Tree Capital of Britain, because I like the idea that somewhere would actually go out of its way to declare itself the Nut Tree Capital of the country, and since then no other place has come forward and said, no, actually we are the Nut Tree Capital So as far as I'm concerned, we still are the Nut Tree Capital of Britain, uh, and we planted some trees on Veer Island, which I think all got destroyed within about two weeks. Uh, um, but then, okay? But then since then, many, many more trees. You can grow as much protein and carbohydrate with, uh, with hybrid walnut trees as you can with organically grown wheat. And uh, hundreds of trees have now been planted around the place. Uh, and the wonderful Wendy, where's Wendy? So what, we, what we're doing is we are asking people from different ideally in about 60 seconds, to give you an update of where all this has gone. So, Wendy, stay, ladies and gentlemen.
1: So, I want to talk to you about incredible Edible Top Mess, which started with this uh, blog here about trees, and over the last 10 years. A uh, think of us supplanted have planted over of dutchies, dutchies and fruit trees, of which about 200 or a bit more have survived. Um, many have succumbed to careless children, drunks, screaming, squirrels, and all the hazards of being a tree in a public place. But more than 200 have gone on to be fruitful and nutting, and they're spread out from the far beaches of Follotton, at the top of Rich Town, edge of the safe and all over the place. And one of the wonderful things has been, in the last few years, seeing the harvests of plums and almonds gradually right coming on. About five years ago, we, we added to this plethora of orchards and back groves, lots of different community gardens, which you may now see scattered around the place, on the Steamer Key and the Rockery and the lower station boy. And one of the great joys for me has been seeing people gradually taking courage to harvest and not feeling that things in public places belong to somebody else and must be taken. So there are lots of browsers along the um, steamer key taking their salads and herbs and people salutish to sh- the slipping out to gather bags of almonds of good year when the frost hasn't got them. And I think one of the big joys for me, as well as watching how people have enjoyed this, has been the actual gardening with other people. Going out in the winter in the rain and mud and pruning the trees and sitting in the summer on the gravestones and their cemeteries and the piglets the plum trees. But I think most precious of all is that sense of um, growing, cultivating the idea of reclaiming our commons and just sharing our harvest. And in a society so committed to uh, private property and separateness, for me that's one of the most precious of us, seeing those little sheep of a different kind of society, of sharing between us all.
0: invited them to imagine what the news stories from Mm -hmm. 2030 might look like. And uh, they told the most outlandish stories, uh, which you will find uh, on on YouTube if you look up Transition Tales. Uh, We we produced a local food directory quite early on to give people a sense of all the stuff that was happening in Totnes, which necessitated somebody dressing up as a carrot. And I actually stood next to him for about 40 minutes until he spoke, and I realised who it was. I had no idea who he was in the (laughs) history. Narash um, and Sophie, who, who, were, who were there from the beginning, who aren't here tonight sadly, but they, they created the, the transition training very early on and then started, because very early on people started coming and saying, how do you do that? What are you doing actually? What is this transition thing? We had no idea because we were really making up as we went along. And they, uh, they kind of created the training and then went around the world there are now hundreds of transition trainers you know, in many countries.
2: And one of the bits that
0: came in very early on Hilary and Sophie came early in and said, "You need to be thinking about the kind of uh, the, the sort of the, the inner side of this. How, how the groups are going to work together, and how this process is going to hang together." And so the whole uh, aspect of inner transition is born. And I'm going to ask Hilary to tell you a bit about that. Hillary, please.
3: The spirituality and consciousness aspects of transition. No small vision there. But what does that mean? The question is, what actually does it mean to be human? Are we rational, practical beings who, once the irrationality around peak oil and climate change has been pointed out, will naturally change our behaviour? In which case transition would have been simple and quick? Apparently they're not. We have hearts as well as heads, emotions as well as thoughts. We can get hurt and confused. We practice denial. We can resist what serves us. We can be incredibly brave, compassionate, loving, and creative. We can get addicted, go numb, distract ourselves, be deeply destructive, build walls, and start wars. And yet it seems that we've tried with kindness, love, and empathy and when deeply connected to ourselves and each other and to all the other beings we share this beautiful planet with. Earth and sky and spirit, whatever that may mean to each one of us. So transition implies working with our whole selves, hearts and souls included, outer and inner. There will be many offerings over ten years and longer. Meditation and sharing of feelings, emotional support for activists, home groups, speaker meetings, conflict resolution, deep inquiry, active hope groups, how to face the messery without going crazy, time to breathe, post-Brexit speed dating, (laughs) and our current Wonderful Earth Stories project, laughter and tears, hugging and rage, prayer, despair, insight, ceremony, compassion and gratitude. I have a memory. It's a public meeting and there's been a speaker. A man stands and he seems moved, he shakes a little and he says something like this, I just really realized something. I realized that for me, if we manage all the practical stuff, the windmills and solar panels and the local economy, if we don't also learn to treat each other differently, to feel differently, to be the humans we were meant to be, then for me would actually be no point. He sits, there is a pause, and then there is applause. <coughs> so gratitude to all who've taken part over the many years, heart and soul, inner transition and the pulse group. Thank you.
0: Incredibly <coughs> <me>. uh, croaky. <coughs> over the years. We've been incredibly lucky to have uh, some, most of our favorite people come as speakers, Naomi Klein, Bill McKibben, Joanna Macy. We've had an incredible uh, um, embarrassment of riches uh, of speakers over the last uh, 10 years. This was an early project that, that, that Lou, many of you know, that Lou Brennan started, the garden share scheme. And like lots of things we started here, they were a simple idea that people anywhere else could pick up and they could do them as well. And garden share very quickly spread to towns <coughs> and cities across the country who wanted to do the same thing. This some of you might remember from our, this our first birthday cake with marzipan nest pans, uh, uh, in, case, uh, in case anybody missed that. Uh, and then one of the projects we did early on was the uh, the Energy Centre Action Plan, which was uh, an attempt to c- do a community uh, imagining of the future and how we might actually get there. It was a, uh, an incredible project that was uh, uh, launched in the square with sort of the opposite of a demonstration. Uh, and, uh, and I think there's one more. Uh, and also the film nights that have run almost from the beginning, put it on a monthly basis. Really fantastic films. And Jackie is here to. Uh, tell you a little bit about both of things. Jackie
4: Hodgson. Okay. So the Energy Descent Action Plan, I think it would actually it'd be really interesting how many people just indicate on how many people were involved in that. Okay, I thought there might be more anyway, so many people were involved in that project. And it was a community plan for how we can get to twenty thirty. Um, Weaving together all the stories and all the projects and the activities that were starting to evolve. And it was a wonderful project. It was one that was called the Energy Energy Pathways Project. Mm. And um, so it was looking at those different pathways and how they both together. And you saw a photograph a minute ago of the timeline that we used. And we used that for visions, for ideas, for assumptions, for future scenarios. So there's lots of different methodologies that were bubbling up that we we trialled as part of getting people to think differently about the future because actually it's really difficult to think about some sort of then, 21 years hence, it's like a, a generation forward. But we did it. We did it. We actually produced a, a kind of story. Um, you saw one of the pages back there and it was a really um, interesting story because it was like a... Um, it wasn't just the irregular plan, it wasn't like the plans that they tried to produce in South Hamps, for example. It was more about kind of the activities and the things that people were doing, in the way that one thing would spring another idea off another. And um, what it showed was what twenty thirty might look like if it was fossil-free, community embracing, and everybody just really, you know, getting there with low energy and not being you know, not being dependent on fossil fuels, but being a really resilient community. I must say that what seven, eight years down the line, and nine years down the line, it does feel like maybe we're going a bit further away, but actually what's wonderful is that it still holds us, it's still something that's there. And um, the, town, the town council, as you saw from Prue Broswell, the previous mayor, um, she was very involved in the first instance, but then we managed to get to become a Totnes tran, transition town council, which when I was mayor for a couple of years, I was able to go and present on transition and how that could look like as a town council out in France and Germany. So that was really good, and people were really enthusiastic about how you could try and embrace and embed some of the ideas in some of the things that were going on. I might say regrettably South Hans and um, District Council and Devon County Council are trying to ignore it furiously still, and I don't think Trump's heard of it. But I think what we ended up with was a wonderful book, which actually holds a position that can be referred to, and it's also, it's sold out. So that's what happens with that project. But the film nights. I think we've probably shown about 100 films over the seven years that we've been doing the film nights, eight years. And um, of course they kick-started the film festival, which is wonderful. But the film nights are actually a community of people that just enjoy watching films together and having a conversation afterwards and just really finding that commonality and finding that that's a springboard for the conversations. And it's, for me, it's always been a kind of an interface between what we all do as kind of, I would say, you know, in the heart of transition and how we create an interface with the wider community, because for me, that's really important that we've always got that door open for people to step into.
1: Thank you.
3: Thank you very
4: much.
0: There were edible Garden days where you could walk around town and visit lots of gardens and see how they were growing food, get tips from them from the uh, from the, the Open Space Day on Energy that we did. The Tottenham Renewable Energy Society formed as a as a standalone thing, but with many overlaps. Uh, there was the Food Link Project, which uh, was about connecting food growers and retailers around the town, connecting them up together uh, with, with, with each other. And then in, uh, this was uh, Christmas 2009, when we had, uh, we had written a funding bid to a thing the government were doing, called the Local the Carbon Communities Challenge, or something. And uh, there were about 450 communities applied to be able to pilot something really interesting, and this was the evening when we were able to make the announcement that we had won £625,000. What? Yeah. Which is which, uh, which? Did Transition Streets put solar panels on top of this building that you might see sometimes, uh, and a lot more besides? And it led to this wonderful headline in the World news, which was. Uh, uh, listen to the jeers of its critics and you would think the average resident of the TQ9 postcode was a sandal-wearing, crystal-gazing, soap-carver, subsisting entirely on brown rice and organic parsley. <laughs> 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 but this article was, was kind of the rest of the region going, hmm, maybe we need to stop taking the nick out top this, and actually maybe they're onto something. Uh, and that was something that really gained gathered pace as the transition streets project rolled out 550 households uh, in this town, got involved on average carbon by 1.3 tonnes each, saved about £600. In all the research that was done afterwards, they didn't talk about the carbon or the money, they talked about how they felt better connected to each other. They felt part of the community, mm-hmm. they felt like they had really connected to the people around them. Uh, and I think there's maybe one more then. And we won an award, and Fiona got Kevin McCain. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to ask... Who am I asking I to talk about this? Carol. Mm-hmm. Carol Witty. <laughs> well, the trouble with following Rolts. He says everything that he's prepared to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely
5: everything. Uh, the, only, the only thing I want to... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can find me, Kosh. And uh, the only thing I want to add, really, is just a little bit about the process, because we heard about this fund in uh, 2009, we have not been around that long, and um, we had a real decision to make: should we actually go for government funds? Wasn't that a bit mainstream? Should we really uh, bite to take the king's shilling, or whatever you call it? But anyway, um, a few of us thought, well, okay, we'll take the money <laughs> if we can get the money, and. Um, True uh, to form, a few of us, there was, uh, you know, who was prepared to actually fill in one of those awful, awful forms that you have to fill in for a government bid? Who would do that? Well, typical TTT, four people, um, it was Rob, um, it was myself, it was Adrian Porter and Glenn Park. We thought, okay, yeah, we'll test out our stress levels, we'll see if we can do this. We had six weeks. Probably about 70 pages that we had to fill in, and we started from scratch. Uh, But we didn't, of course, because what we were able to build on was that wonderful Transition Together scheme which put groups of people together. Um, There were two pilots actually set up in Totnes. One was a group of neighbours and one was a group of people who were just friends who who came together. And we looked through various workbooks I was in one of the pilot groups in the, the neighborhood streets. We looked through these workbooks and uh, it was so amazing, <laughs> you won't be surprised to know that one of the strongest things that came out of it was we got to know our neighbors. Mm-hmm. We didn't know them before, or we, we said hello, or sniffed at them, or whatever. But this way we came together to work together, to feel together, to be together and to change things together. That's what we used for the government bid. We scaled it up, Um, we looked at how we changed behaviour, we looked at whether we could work with partners and we are sitting underneath the solar panels that went on the roof as a result of that bid being won by the government. How we could work with partners and, uh, you know, how, how we can develop as, as a community? Um, the benefits Rob's already like I told you, so I missed all of those. Um, but the important thing is there are people in here that are involved in transition streets, yes? How I many? Loads of people, wonderful. And are you still saying hello to your
6: neighbours? Yes. yes. <laughs> and did you enjoy it? Yes.
5: Yes. It was worth the agony, nearly falling out with my neighbour who was going while we ran backwards and forwards. We about 55 drafts of the bid. It was worth it all. Um, it's been sustained. And six, what Rob didn't say was we only asked for 500,000. We got 625,000. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful project. Um, we enjoyed it, and it still continues. What I haven't said is Fiona, who ran the project, was absolutely brilliant. Her reports, who kept us all on, on task, it was fantastic project. So thank you, Fiona. And thank you, Mary, for keeping it alive now, because the story continues.
0: It's not over, and there's loads of creative ways that are continuing with the project. Thank you, Anthony, for being gone. So, so many people started turning up to come and find out what was going on uh, that we couldn't really manage. And, uh, and, and Hal, where's Hal? Hal. We beginning to go up here. So Hal started transition tours. Uh in order to support that. And uh and was a finalist in the award. I'll show this picture. <laughs> and uh how?
7: Thank you. Can we get that picture of Kevin McLeod back up, please? <laughs> <laughs> okay, He's a good looking fellow. Not him. Kevin McCloud. Okay. I thought I was going to follow Fiona actually, so there we go. Um, because um, I spent a bit of time with Fiona hanging out with these economics and livelihoods business and livelihoods groups, wondering if anyone's gonna show up. Um and uh, I've about food and building and all the rest of it. And I was really interested in how we create livelihoods about this. So I, I was, once I got my head around transition, I decided this is it. So I need to be, I need to create livelihood out of this. And I want to support as many other people to do that as well. We had a meeting about what are the potential income streams we can generate for um, TTT. And I said, well, I've got this little idea. And this is kind of how I got involved anyway. I've, I've come back to live a quiet life and settle down and be a good boy back in my hometown, having wandered the world for a little bit. And I was wanting to run some adventure, travel, personal development, education kind of group following the River Dart and linking and all these amazing things going on. And I did what most people do, I come into the transition office because it's so famous, thinking, well, everyone knows what they're doing. It's obviously really big and well-run and professional, and everyone's on top of their game, and it's absolutely, uh, that's it. And then I thought, oh, okay, this place is totally cool, actually. Um, I'm gonna park my dreams on the shelf, and I'm gonna hang out here because this is this is definitely the energy I like to be in—sort of beginning, uh, creative, chaotic, inspiring—and and that's uh, so that's where we hung out. Um, people came. Um, they follow this sort of routine. Uh, life's great at home, so wherever they are in the world, life's just fine, it's alright, isn't it? Oh my god, there's climate change, there's peak oil, there's biodiversity crisis, we're all going to die. Oh, i just discovered a permaculture transition. This is going to save the world, I'm going to go to the where everything's perfect, I'm going to see it. And they arrive and go, oh, no, we're all going to die. <laughs> Again, and, and, and there's an the important process of managing people's expectations. Um, rather than having to go away, uh, it's actually so that's what, that's what the tours are, and they're more than a tour. There's a whole kind of educational, personal development experience that's in there. Um, uh, let's just say, in, in 2012, um, we started a company because we're running it through my sort of self-employed accounts and stretching DTT's insurance. So is getting a bit dodgy, so we set up a company. And I've got a few figures from that, if you like figures. Um, we've run since 2012 217 programs. They can be a day tour or a six, seven-day residential program. Um, and we've engaged about 3,072 people, averaging about 510 people a year come through. The nationalities, um, at least those six different nationalities, the uh, top up from the United Kingdom and the USA because we can get loads of students from there, Germany, France, Italy, Brazil, because I think that's a lot of the Schumacher connection and we do a lot of tours for them, and Korea. We're very famous in Korea at the moment. We have 73 this year in Korea. Um, so it's about giving people a quality experience when they come here, uh, and it's about um, showing off what we're doing, engaging people in, in different ways, um, and generating an income to, to TTT. So um, it's modest. It's something like um, an average is about 3,300 a year. It was more. Um, and that's about 20,000 pounds in total so far. Um, what we set forward is that supposed fundraising unrestricted income, so we can spend it wherever we like, can't we, Sally? It's not, it has no strings attached. Can do what you like with um, uh, it. So the highlights really. Uh, our first, our first um, residential program was from Italians in 2008 and uh, I've been living quite a wild and um, physical life uh, overseas and I was in a dark space in relation to climate change and I was convinced that the future was physical and we're back to the land. So I bought these Italians and sharpened House of Land Matters. Uh, I rented the route in March. We did it in August it was all overgrown through crambles and by the time we got Land Matters, they all collapsed and went on strike. I thought, okay, I've got to reorientate what I do around other people rather than my own kind of idea. And so that was, that was something. Um, another big highlight was meeting Ines, who's over there, okay, um, and really we worked out some really good programs, and another was meeting a professor at the Transition Network Conference, who totally got, she took a very academic course, American students, but she totally got the importance of combining inspiro- inspiring, real, practical stories and some significant nature connection work in with work that's otherwise done in labs and lecture theatres. So she really realized that, and I think that's probably the, the highlight of what we do, is, is we make what is should be objective academic study, you know, young people learning about climate change and energy issues and stuff, like it's a removed academic subject. And internally they're going, hang on a minute, this is my future you're talking about. And and what we do is provide experience where they have a very short little window in their academic life where they can connect to. And we give them some kind of personal development experience where they can see, yeah, I can see how I've got a life ahead of me and what I can do. And so that's really, really important. the last thing I'd just like to say is I think I've got the best job with everyone involved in transition because I just get those people coming and saying how great we are. <laughs> and, and I don't know, Jackie alluded to it a little bit. It's not every day that everyone's jumping out and saying how brilliant we are. Yeah, it's, We do hit a few brick walls and get a bit of like voices from the side sometimes that can knock us a little bit. And it's great to us to, to, to hear stories that other people are having similar issues where they are around the world um, and, and the work we're doing is, is really meaningful. So... Um, that's probably where I'll leave it right
0: now. The so then there was uh, the local economic blueprints, which is the wonderful piece of work that was looking at uh, making the economic case for transition and transitioning the local economy. Uh, there was the reconomy centre that many of you will know, which is just around the corner. And there was the local entrepreneur forum. So you, you're going to talk about these, aren't you? The wonderful Theo Ward. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I last the picture of me and Kevin McLeod because it reminds me of how she just smell
5: wonderful.
8: Economy project. So, um, although clearly in this area we already have quite a strong local independent economy, which which is thriving compared to a number of places, uh, we were really interested in the question about um, how that could become even more resilient, more sustainable, and provide even more jobs and livelihoods for local people. And it felt like it was also um, opening up the invitation to to a whole kind of. New come and have this conversation about jobs and livelihoods, which is what we're doing with that project. Um, And just to to cut it short, because Rob's already mentioned a few of the things there, and I suspect we're running a little bit late, Um, we've since opened up the Economy Centre, which is up at the top of town, I'm sure a lot of people know about that, so if you're interested in starting up a a new local business that's kind of aligned with Transition Thinking, then you're going to get a whole um, range of support there, so do go and see Jay Tompt, who is the person who runs that? Who's been holding that fantastically for the last few years? And I'll um, have a conversation with him, or go to the local entrepreneur forum. The next one's coming up in May, I think. There's flyers around that. So if you or anyone you know locally is interested in in new jobs and livelihoods, then um, come along and speak to uh, speak to them. And finally, I'm just me I just wanted to say what a fantastic decade I've had, I was so lucky to arrive here in Tottenham, just the transition was starting, one of those wonderful, wonderful opportunities and it's just been the most fantastic adventure um, and I've just loved every minute of it and it's been a real privilege and uh, I just want to really appreciate everyone who's been involved in creating this wonderful thing that has, yeah, changed my life and a lot of people that I know, both on the inside and the outside so it's a wonderful. Thing. Thanks for the long we we'll keep going with it.
0: Any skill shares where you could share your skills. There's been uh, open eco homes uh, once a year for for many years now, where people can uh, where people open up their homes and you can go and find out. Mary, 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 Mary.
9: Last October we had our 7th <laughs> weekend, but it might be the 8th. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, I think it's fair to say that um, uh, it's gone from strength to strength and um, yes, a whole load of um, um, householders and projects very generously open their doors for the, to visitors uh, for one weekend in October um and um, last October we had um, uh, 17 homes and projects opened and um, almost um, 600 visits over all the weekend so um, and um, it's um, yeah a great showcase for um, low impact projects um, um, and for um, Going around looking
2: at people's houses. Sorry? Going around and looking at people's That's
9: yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> and nosing around people's houses. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think it's a really fun fun weekend and uh, increasing an increasing number of people know about it and um, take part. And so it's a it's a lovely event. Um, and we always um, we always welcome new people getting involved organising it, um, and also, very importantly, um, uh, opening up their home, home projects. So if, you, if you're interested in any of that, and we really do need people to help us organise it this year, because several of us who um, have been involved in the last few years are um, very busy on other projects too, so we appreciate some additional help, that would be wonderful. That they could to you. See, yes. And then we follow it up with um, um, the Eco Home Fair, usually a couple of weeks later. And that's just a great um, uh, showcase for a lot of um, local energy suppliers, um, new <coughs> energy suppliers, um, um, eco builders.
0: Uh the, uh the the our coffee festival the independent <coughs> coffee festival and, uh, and the Costa uh, story <laughs> uh-huh. a wonderful book to buy Yay. pay as you like pay as much as you feel it's worth lunches yes. and then,
10: And I was thinking about it earlier. There was a Tough Choices Roadshow that Devon County Council ran. And uh, it was a disparate group of people who were here, some of you are here tonight. And uh, John Hartley, leader of the council, stood up and he said, we need to make some tough choices about cuts that we make. So here's some pictures of people who are desperately in need, people who are older, people who've got learning disabilities. And I want you to take these stickers, these coloured stickers and stick where you think we should cut the money. And <laughs> <laughs> we all looked at each other and we said, no. <laughs> And apparently we were the only place that said no apart from Mexico. And um, I think at that moment we thought, there's a better way. And Robert, you were there. And and so we thought, there's a better way. What could that be? And I think what really runs through uh, Transition is this power to convene. I think it's Transition Jamaica Plains that actually named it. But this idea that you can be totally empowered by just bringing people together in a room and asking a question, and then saying, how can we do this better together? And that's what we did with Caring Town, so we held a meeting with lots of different people involved in health and care and welfare and said, OK, what's the most caring this town could possibly be? It's already you step outside, what we did look like. This is what we've got already, what could it be? And at the end of that, there were about 60 people there and they'd identified that they wanted a one-stop shop for signposting, they wanted to work together better and they wanted to know more about the needs of the town. And we said, OK, who wants to be involved in the next stage? And normally, you know, people kind of look at the feet and the floor, <coughs> and kind of start sidling out. And everybody wanted to be involved, and we were like, OK. <laughs> so, um, you know, kind of fast forward, and now we've got the Caring Information Service opening in the mansion, and there's a really strong network of people together And there have been so many lovely stories about what's come out of that, but effectively this whole empowerment of convening people to make change happen together has just been beautiful. Thank you.
0: And then one day I went to get on a train and there was a lady on the station giving (laughs) out chatbots. We'll come back to that story in a minute. There was a film festival, the film festival that started up, uh, uh, and it's been running now for three years. We've, we've, you've talked about the film festival. Can we skip two things? Okay. The film festival is fantastic. <laughs> there was the Brexit speed dating that was alluded to earlier on. And there was the launch of the Thomas Pound, uh, which was started by seeing an old one, an 1810 back that was in the window, and saying, well, what would happen if we made some more? And so we made some more. And I'm going to ask John to come up and say a bit. About it. John, Tony's
2: family, one That's enough. Right. enough.
11: <laughs> uh, we're on the fourth series of notes. Of course, the tonis pounds actually started by what at the very very beginning. So this is the fourth lot: one pound, five pound, ten pound, twenty-one pounds. We've got about fifteen thousand in circulation at the moment. We have about four thousand pounds in people's electronic tonis pounds a project that was developed with Bristol, between Bristol, Pound, and TTT also in 2014, when these new notes came out. And uh, tourists love them. They are still iconic, I think is the word. They bring people to They're so still very much a focus. Totnes equals Totnes Pound, to a certain degree. It must be said, not a, there's not a huge, huge amount of circulation of Totnes Pound. But we carry on, and a lot of people contact us, wait, a lot of people contact us, I'm the sort of invert on have found, and I do a lot of Skyping and emailing to other projects who say, how do I do it, how can I do it? And local parties are very different in local places, I won't go into all that, but basically, top S, Exeter, Bristol wherever, Stroud, they, they, they have very different characteristics and work, local currencies work in very, very different ways. We're not standing still. We've talked in recent years, months, about doing a time bank. We've talked about variations between time banks and spice time credits, if you know about that. I had a long discussion with Inez, wherever Inez is, about this, and our latest idea is to basically what we're looking for is a currency that has, that embodies perpetual motion. So <laughs> that's why, right. because the trouble with Top S towns is you've got to endlessly buy them and spend them and buy them and spend them, so we need a driver to get some currency permanently moving in Top S and elsewhere. That's it. Thank you, John. Thank you.
0: If any of you go tomorrow night to see the film Demand, which is on at the bar and twice, you will see that our £21 note is now a film star. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, when Jackie was the mayor, I would uh, present them to uh, fellow dignitaries when she was visiting. And then there was uh, porridge jousting, I think. <laughs> and then a at an event at Darlington. But again, we'll come back to what that's all about in a little while. And the whole process all the way through has been driven by the most wonderful, committed team of people Uh, who've given time and creativity, and many of whom are here today taking immense gratitude and, uh, yeah, like, thank you. And then this last summer, there was the local food festival, and where's the Myrtle? Myrtle! (laughs) Myrtle!
3: Food festival in a minute, okay. Um, how do you make local food accessible to people? How do you motivate them to support, to support local food farming? Um, anybody who knows me knows that that usually involves something like me clowning around in a onesie. And I thought, how do we take this to a really big scale and how do we make a community event that is about a celebration of local food? A celebration of local food and farming. So, Veer Island massive team of people, several sleepless nights. 2,000 people came to join us, with uh, farmer's market stalls, with, with storytelling, with talks, with everything you could imagine, and some sunshine, and it was amazing, and people have been inspired by it. And I'm pleased to announce that 2017, the Forking Local Food Festival number two will be coming in September. <laughs>
0: And now you get to get all the oat references are all about, the porridge and the, and, and so on, Holly. the
6: Great. So yeah, when we were looking at local food, we we realised that it didn't include this stuff. Um, and as a vegetarian, I thought that I was making the best choice environmentally with my diet. And then I looked at where the, the, the protein, the plant-based protein that I was eating was coming from. The nuts, the grains, the edible oils, uh, the pulses. And they were coming from the other side of the world. And at this then set a series of questions off in motion. And grown in was born, commonly known amongst those who you know of git. <laughs> um, and and from that we, we hooked up with three farmers and the farmers are doing the growing for us. But what we really realised is the difficult part and why nobody else in the country is doing this is because it's the processing, that, that small-scale processing no longer really exists in this country. So we thought we would fill that gap in transition to mess. And so we've just moved into a unit on the industrial estate on, on um, in Burke Road in Topmest. So we're really central, so everybody can come and get involved and do a hand at milling. We're not quite up and running, but on the 29th of April, we should be. Um, and we'd like to invite you all along to a launch party that we're going to have. Um, and you can find out, you can sign up to our, our mailing list and you'll get more information about that on grownintotnest.co.uk. So I hope to see you all there, and I hope that we will have brains on our shelves very soon in this little town.
0: Thank you very much. So coming soon, there's a food shed. I'm sure there'll be, if you want to know what that's all about, there'll be people at the back, that you can ask about that. Another fantastic local food project. And there's, and now the whole stream is really about, well, what's it going to be like? This is our 10th birthday celebration. What's the celebration going to be like 10 years from now? Where's all this going to go from here? And
12: then you must be to come up and say a bit about that. you other one. Yeah, so I think everyone's really aware that we've been going for 10 years and people are very keen to stop and, and reflect really and look back at where we've come from and where we're going. So we've had a couple of workshops, visioning workshops and workshops looking at how, how CCC operates, involving lots of people in this room. Um, And I'd say we've probably got 101 different visions of where we might go. Um, But we are organic, we're evolving we're emergent, and we like to to respond to what's needed at the time. So I'm just going to share with you a few themes that are are emerging. So we want to carry on doing more of what we're already doing, but casting a wider net and collaborating with more local regional partners and and, uh, finding ways to appeal to people in our community who may not have worked with us before. Um, We want to be able to capture our learning from the last 10 years so that we can actually share it with other people in a really meaningful way so that other people can apply some of the projects and and initiatives that we've delivered here, in their towns and cities. So we want to do an evaluation project and maybe run some training courses and conferences. Um, We'd like to boost the capacity of our our office team so that we're able to better support all the projects and initiatives so that involves lots more fundraising. Um, and we want to put more emphasis on the work of inner transition um, and our, our, our inner resilience to cope with the times that we're in. So there's a real appetite for that. Um, and finally, we want to be more daring and we want to celebrate, which is why we've launched our Celebrate programme, which hopefully you've all seen. So we got lottery funding and we put together a whole programme of about 12 events between now and the end of May, celebrating all the different parts of TTT. Um, and we hope to not only... Um, showcase our work, but also inspire new people to come along and join us and bring their ideas and passion. Thank you.
0: And one of the key things about about going for 10 years is is being really stubborn. And no project uh, uh, represents this idea of being really stubborn and patient and determined and just working and working and building uh, the the transition homes. Jim, Jim Carfee
2: I've spent three hours today lecturing to students at Plymouth university on domestic services water mm. sanitation and sewage <laughs> so you'd imagine this holds no fear for me that suddenly I'm here I've got to talk for less than a minute about transition homes but I have what I hope will be news and very good news is that this long journey that Rob has referred to is this long journey to order to create a community of affordable homes in the Totnes area based on the community land trust principle, which I won't go into now because that will take a lot more than a minute. But over a long period, over many different sites, ups and downs, we finally got to the point now where we have this site, which is Clay Park, just at the end of Clay Lane, opposite Pudderban, Totnes. We have a scheme there for 27 affordable houses and we've heard within in the last couple of weeks that we have planning commission. <laughs> that means that it now becomes a reality <laughs> which we're all looking forward to but the main thing is that after all that struggle, we are now going to be building homes. Now, these, this is a groundbreaking development, literally. <laughs> a play-breaking development, but it is and <laughs> will be the largest development of strawbound houses in this country, 27 houses. We've had setbacks with things we wanted to do. We wanted to process our own waste through having a, a sort of grey water and black water processing. The environmental agency weren't going to let us have that, so we'd have to use the main sewers. But we have retained one of the features. Of Houses, which is every single house to have a composting toilet. It's a lot of investment in small houses, but 2074 composting toilets. And I think I've probably said enough. I could go on. It's very, very exciting, and I'm sure you'll be excited too. And when we finally get the homes built, they're going to be stunning. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We saw the trailer for the film, the film about this What's so wonderful in that film is that they say, uh, we saw this film about Thomas and what they were doing there, and we thought, we'd like to do that. And actually, that, some of you might remember, in about 2008, in The Archers, they had a transition storyline, where they formed Transition Ambridge. That film was like, because then they ran out of stories after about a year. That film was like if you went back to Ambridge after nine years, and you were really going for it at time, what it actually look like. It really fantastic. So go on and see that on Sunday. Um, uh, I just have nothing but uh, uh, a delight at, uh, at where this is all going, and, and what's happened, and what's been unleashed, and... The places that I know in the world where you really see uh, how what we've been doing in this little town, so many, many of you in this small town have been doing, and how it's inspired people around the world, particularly at this time when the future Uh, for so many people doesn't look like a great future. There's a really powerful story that's being told here that actually it doesn't have to be like that. Actually, push those stories to the side. There's another much stronger story that speaks to our values, that speaks to what we want the future to be like, and we're modelling it here, inspiring so many more people than any of us can even have any awareness of. I think. So let's keep going and meet you all again in 10 years' time. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you very much.